Back in the radio studio for a September 10th edition of the We Tackle Life podcast. Yes, it's Friday, the Friday before Ohio State plays Oregon in Ohio Stadium on Big Noon kickoff. We also have the Cyhawk game, the Iowa-Iowa State game. And we have COVID to talk about, and we have the Browns and Bengals season openers coming up. And we have all kinds of things. But first, we get to the important matter of business, and business is, of course... How the podcast is sustainable, and it wouldn't be sustainable without our friends at Hemisphere Coffee Roasters. They're the longest-running sponsor of the podcast. Their coffee's phenomenal. Their mission is phenomenal. They buy their coffee direct from growers around the country and ship it to you. Free shipping on orders of $30 or more, and you can get more for your money when you use the promo code WETACKLELIFE in all caps. Get 15% off. Get their delicious coffee. Help their mission. And let them know you're a podcast listener, which they'll probably figure that out when you use the promo code but those of you who have become regular hemisphere customers i appreciate it very much shout out to my friends doug and stan and many of the rest of you roy and probably dave not sure but i know a lot of people have become repeat hemisphere customers and we hope you'll continue to do so because they are awesome we tackle life in all caps use that promo code to get 15 percent off also coincidentally rather you can send me an email bruce Nope, that's the wrong email. Send me an email. You can send it to Bruce at 989theanswer.com if you want. But the podcast email is wetacklelife at gmail.com. Wetacklelife at gmail.com. What is 989theanswer.com? If you don't know, that's the radio station where I do the Bruce Hooley show from one from 11 to 1 every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. That show is not a sports show. That show is a current events news talk show. So if you uh, like this content, you'd like to get my breakdown of the news, Columbus, national, state politics, feel free to join us at 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Monday through Friday on 989theanswer989theanswer.com. All right, we have football in Ohio Stadium. It'll be the first time in 657 days that we've had a football game in Ohio Stadium. And... I don't know how many people will have 10,000 tickets available at the start of the week. That's an amazing number, in my view, for a game that is not a barking dog, Mac opponent, likely 60-point win type of a football game. This is one of the headline games on the schedule, along with Penn State. I actually think it'll be a better game than Penn State. Maybe Penn State can hang defensively likely to keep Ohio State from doing everything it wants to do. Offensively, Penn State not very good. Don't know how good Oregon is, offensively or defensively, because the Ducks really struggled to beat Fresno State last week. Were they looking ahead? Maybe. I'd be looking ahead if I had a trip to Ohio State coming up. But Oregon, they'll bring their fancy, crazy uniforms and they will bring a bigger challenge than Ohio State will face until Penn State comes into the horseshoe. Anthony Brown is the Oregon quarterback. He's a Boston College transfer. He's okay. He would not be uh, an all-conference quarterback in the Big Ten, but he's serviceable. He's not a lot of a runner. He's more of a thrower. So uh, C.J. Verdell, really good back for Oregon. They'll have some fast guys. They will be, you know, representative on offense. They're not going to be physical like Wisconsin. I think they're kind of offensively a little bit like Purdue. So they like to spread you out. They like to beat you with speed. 
that'll challenge the Ohio State defense that gave up quite a bit of points at Minnesota, quite a bit of yards at Minnesota. The big question for Ohio State defensively, what's their secondary going to look like? Cam Brown, Seven Banks, are they going to play? Are they going to be going with Denzel Burke, the true freshman, and the other guys that they sort of shoehorned in there last week? Uh, We'll see. Uh, Pretty soon, they're going to have to start narrowing some of that personnel down. It's great to play a lot of guys early in the year, but you're better if you can get a set lineup and find some guys you can rely on. I don't think they came out of their opener with guys that they can rely on. And until they get seven banks and Cam Brown out there, I think that the kind of quarterback, cornerback play rather, that Ohio State fans have become accustomed to will not be something that they can count on. The big question in this game is, will Kayvon Thibodeau play for Oregon? If you're an Ohio State fan, I guess you want the answer to that to be no. But I'd rather find out right now, and I bet you Ryan Day would rather find out right now, What are we going to do with an elite pass rusher? You're going to find that out eventually, and if you find it out in the college football playoff, that's a time where you might not have a whole lot of time to adjust to it because Alabama's pass rush this year looks really good, Georgia's is really good, and Clemson's is really good. Ohio State's, conversely, is not very good. At least it wasn't against Minnesota. It has been very good in the past, And that's what's driven Ohio State's success defensively. But if they can't figure out how to get pressure on the quarterback, then their youth in the secondary is going to be additionally exposed. I think everything for the Buckeyes hinges on getting a pass rush. We'll see if they get one on Oregon. But the real issue in this game is, will Kayvon Thibodeau play? And if he plays, is Ohio State's offensive line, which was pretty dominant at Minnesota, capable of dealing with an elite speed edge rusher like Kayvon Thibodeau. He played briefly in the win over Fresno State last week. His ankle got rolled upon by a lineman from the back. He didn't see it coming. Typically, a talent like Thibodeau would be dramatically less if he's playing on a gimpy ankle because he comes around that edge, he's cutting on that ankle, He's pivoting on that ankle. He's changing directions on that ankle. I do believe that it's his left ankle. So if it's his left ankle, they could put him on the right edge and he'd still have a good right ankle. But you're not going to be able to rush the passer with a bad ankle to the extent that you could with a good ankle. You can't hide that. Now, if Thibodeau plays and he's unimpeded, then this game could be a really useful game, not just in the fact that you get a W, but that you see a talent that I'm not sure Georgia, Clemson, or Alabama has. Because Thibodeau is probably going to be a top-five talent in the draft just because the NFL prizes what? Passers and pass rushers. So that, for me, is the key thing to watch early in this football game is, is Kayvon Thibodeau out there? He did make the trip. And if he's out there, does he look like, perform like, play like, cause havoc like, the player who has done that ever since he set foot on the Oregon campus, uh, this now being his junior year. All right, also it'll be interesting to see C.J. Stroud first start at home. I can't think that'll really impact C.J. Stroud much, uh, bother him much. I would think starting your first game on the road, national TV, against a Big Ten opponent, I would think that would be more apt to put butterflies in C.J. Stroud's stomach But maybe not. I mean, I will say this. When you stand on that turf at the horseshoe 
and you look up and you see those decks around you, it is like you are Maximus in the Roman Colosseum. It is one incredible sight. Now, it's not the first time C.J. Stroud has seen that, of course. He's been around plenty long enough to get accustomed to it. Although, I don't know if you'd ever get totally accustomed to that because it is an amazing venue. And the best thing he's got going for him, Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson. Not to mention the running backs behind him. Not to mention the offensive line in front of him. Not to mention, because I didn't, the tight ends. C.J. Stroud, man, he has all kinds of weapons around him. And so I think the message Ryan Day will have to C.J. Stroud is, hey, let your talent show, but let it show through the people around you. Don't try to do it all yourself because that would be silly. All right, a couple other college football games on Saturday worth note. I think much like we'll really figure out whether Ohio State is just the class of the Big Ten or really elite, based upon how they play against Oregon. I think we'll also find out Saturday, is Iowa a real threat to Ohio State? Or is Iowa just the, here's your turn, Iowa, win the Big Ten West, now go to Indianapolis and get pounded by the Buckeyes? Iowa plays Iowa State. Iowa State's a top 10 team. Matt Campbell's built a nice program there. That's a big rivalry game. Iowa was impressive last week. Indiana was not impressive. But Iowa scored some quick, easy touchdowns in that one. They really didn't have to deal with much adversity. Iowa State will inflict some adversity on them. How will Iowa handle it? And what will the outcome be? That's a game that I'm very, very interested in. As for the other college football headline, Notre Dame opens its season Saturday. Fighting Irish wiggled off the hook against Mackenzie Milton in Florida State on Monday night. The big news for Notre Dame is they are requiring masks in Notre Dame Stadium. Be glad as an Ohio State fan you don't have to wear a mask in Ohio Stadium. Is that going to hold? Is that going to be the way it is all year? I don't know. But I think the cashless system at OSU, where you can't use cash at the concession stands, you can't use cash to park your car, along with the fact that you have to wear a mask in the restrooms and the concourses and the elevators, I think has the potential to keep some people away from Ohio Stadium. Now, what's the long-term impact of that? Well, we know that they didn't make nearly the money they normally make last year because their attendance was just limited to family and friends. I mean, their attendance was literally one one-hundredth of what it would typically be because their attendance for a game was usually like about 1,500 people. So that's a far cry from 100,000. So the revenue's down, and if this year they're giving back revenue because, like I said, 10,000 tickets available for Oregon, people not going because I don't want to deal with an app on my phone, I don't want to deal with parking via an app, I don't want to deal with a mask situation, we'll have to see. But rest assured, as much as he wants a win on Saturday, Gene Smith wants a full stadium, and I know Ryan Day wants one for noise. Gene Smith, I mean, I'm sure he'd like noise, the only noise Gene cares about is the noise of the cash register ringing. And if they have 10,000 vacant seats, uh, the register is not going to ring as loud as Gene wants it to. So that's where we are on Ohio State. Oregon is one of the headline opponents that Ohio State has scheduled over the next few years. Texas is on their schedule. Georgia's on their schedule. Notre Dame's on their schedule. I hope that Cincinnati joining the Big 12 
gets us to a place where Cincinnati and Ohio State end up with the same kind of a rivalry as Iowa and Iowa State. Now, I know a lot of you are like, oh, come on, you know, Cincinnati will A, never be Ohio State, or, you know, why would you want a team in Ohio to be uh, like Ohio State? Because I just, I like interesting. And it's infinitely more interesting to me if Cincinnati and Ohio State have a rivalry in football than if Cincinnati is this, you know, ugly stepchild that is classically inferior to Ohio State. The 2002 Ohio State football team went down to Paul Brown Stadium and played Cincinnati, almost got beat, didn't. That would have knocked them out of the national championship game that year because they were unbeaten. Miami was unbeaten. But had Ohio State been a once-beaten team, they would have been evaluated next to Iowa, which lost to Iowa State that year. That was Iowa's only loss. And Iowa had the far more impressive Big Ten season, even though they didn't play Ohio State. They were the far more impressive team. And Iowa State would have been in the national championship game instead of Ohio State. But that game, imagine how you feel if you're Iowa State and you knock Iowa out of the national championship game. I just think with Luke Fickle at Cincinnati and with the whole history of Ohio State and Cincinnati and college basketball in the 1960s and UC beating Jerry Lucas, John Havlicek in the 61 and 62 national title games, I think it would be great to see Cincinnati and Ohio State forge. They're never going to be like Ohio State. How many teams in a country are like Ohio State? What, three, four? But... Cincinnati now joining the Big 12, along with, who is it, BYU, Houston, and Central Florida. That's as good as the Big 12 could do after Texas and Oklahoma said, eh, see you later. But I'm glad for Cincinnati that they got in the Big 12. I don't think it's a perfect fit. I think it's still a hard sell for Luke Fickle to tell an Ohio kid who is torn between Ohio State and Cincinnati, oh, hey, we get to play in the Big 12. Like, Kids in Ohio don't care about playing Oklahoma State or Kansas or Kansas State or Iowa State. But it gives Cincinnati a big program feel. It'll help their bottom line. It might keep Luke Fickle at Cincinnati. That would be okay, wouldn't it? So uh, I'm glad that Cincinnati's getting into the Big 12. I hope it doesn't help Cincinnati in basketball. You say, hey, Bruce, you're a hypocrite. Yes, I am. I don't want it to help Cincinnati in basketball because... I don't like Cincinnati basketball, but I kind of like Cincinnati football because, you know, they got potential. They were pretty good with Mark D'Antonio. They were pretty good with Brian Kelly. They're pretty good with Luke Fickle. And I just think that kids in Ohio, I mean, Ohio State's not taking them. Ohio State's not taking kids in Ohio, very many. So good for Luke Fickle that he can get his team somewhere above the AA, is it the AAC or the AAAC? Anyway, he's getting them out of that and into the Big 12, although not right away, but That's a good question. That's a good Twitter poll. Will Luke Fickle be the head coach at Cincinnati when the Bearcats finally join the Big 12? I would say, yeah, I would say yes. Don't forget my friends at Willis Spangler Starling. If you're looking for a great attorney firm, look no further than Truman Boulevard and Hilliard. That is where Willis Spangler Starling's offices are located. They're expanding. They're getting bigger, but not too big to prioritize your cases. Wills estate planning, probate, personal injury, employment law, you name it, they can do it. Great expertise, better people than they are lawyers, and they are awesome lawyers. So, mention the We Tackle Life podcast. 
Get a free consultation. They'll tell you up front what your case will likely cost. They represent me on all legal matters that intersect my life. They should represent you as well. Willis Spangler Starling. Willis Spangler Starling. Located Truman Boulevard in Hilliard. WillisAttorneys.com. That's WillisAttorneys.com. All right. Bengals and Browns also start the season Sunday. Wow. What a day. Yes. Uh, Sunday's going to be a fun day. It's my birthday. So the NFL season starts on my birthday. And uh, looking forward to that. But I'm really looking forward to seeing the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, of course, the Browns don't. I'm not. I've not become a Bengals fan over the Browns. I'm just saying the Bengals intrigue me because I know the Browns are going to be good. The Bengals, I'm not sure about. I don't feel like they're going to be bad. I actually feel like the Bengals and the Browns might be better than the Steelers this year. And you know, I'm not a believer in. Uh, uh, um, um, Lamar Jackson you know I'm not a believer in Lamar Jackson with the Ravens would it shock me if the AFC North came down to the Browns and the Bengals no I don't think it would shock me surprise me yes maybe but would it shock me no what I find interesting about the Browns and the Bengals is that if you had told me that I would grow to the point where I was more convinced of Joe Burrow being a transformative franchise quarterback after a half a season as a rookie than I would be after, uh, what is it, three years of Baker Mayfield? Uh, I would not have believed you, but that's where I am. I am, the only question I have with the Cleveland Browns is, can Baker Mayfield hold his worst tendencies, which I believe is to get too emotional and too uh, outside himself in the middle of a game, can he hold that at bay to do what C.J. Stroud has to do for Ohio State, which is take advantage of the talent around him? All Baker Mayfield has to do is turn around, hand the ball to Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, throw the ball to David Njoku, Austin Hooper, Odell Beckham, Jarvis Landry, Rashad Higgins, Donovan Peoples-Jones. I mean, they are super loaded. Their line is really good. He's the guy that if you look at their offense, you say, all right, where are they weak? Now, I'm not saying he's weak, but where are they weakest? Mm, Quarterback, I know. I keep coming back to it. He had a victory, one drive away. Actually, he had two possessions to get a winning drive against the Chiefs last year, and he did not do it, and Patrick Mahomes was out of the game, and you're not going to get very many chances like that. Once the opportunity passes you by, it might have passed you by forever. The Browns hope not. They hope this is their year. They've retooled the defense. They've really done what appears to be a pretty amazing job of augmenting what used to be the worst roster in the NFL. Now they've got no talent issue. they got no coaching issue. They've got a Steelers organization that appears to be waning. They've got a Bengals organization that's not quite there. They've got a Ravens organization that is somewhat limited because Lamar Jackson, while he's talented, he has limitations. So the Browns have no excuse. And if they don't get it done, I think it's going to be the quarterback will be the reason why they don't get it done. As for the Bengals, what did I see out of Joe Burrow in a half a season? Well, I saw a guy who, like he did at LSU, lifts everybody around him. And now he's got more guys around him that can help him lift the team around him. Now, I don't know if Jamar Chase is going to be a great pick for the Bengals or not. He's had trouble catching the football in the preseason. He claims that it's because he's getting used to a ball without stripes. 
<laughs> okay, whatever. And that it's uh, not as fat as the college ball. Well, guess what, Jamar? You're allowed to practice with an NFL ball before practice starts in the summer. So why you weren't doing that, and oh, by the way, since you sat out your final year at LSU because you were COVID scared, maybe that would have been a good time to be catching an NFL ball. That was a really hollow excuse to offer. But if Jamar Chase with Tyler Boyd and with Joe Mixon can come through for the Bengals, then I think the Bengals could be a surprise team. Because there's always a surprise team, one that you don't expect. How about the Tampa Bay Bucks? Did anybody expect the Tampa Bay Bucks to win the Super Bowl last year? No. Now you can say, well, they have Tom Brady. I'm not saying Joe Burrow is Tom Brady, but I'm saying they fit a lot of pieces together and they had a first-year coach and they had COVID, so they didn't have the opportunity to work together. And they were the wild-card team and they won three road games and they beat the Chiefs in a Super Bowl. So surprise teams are the norm in the NFL. Although not last night. Did you see Brady last night? Man, this dude, he's 44. He's 44. You see the graphic they played? where they had the video of his release and how fast it was when he was a rookie and how fast it is now. He's not hes not getting worse. Tom Brady is amazing. And, uh, I mean, I, I'm rooting for Brady. You know, I've, I've, I've gotten to with Tom Brady where I was with Tiger Woods. I didn't used to like Tiger Woods. I'm, I'm still not a big Tiger Woods fan. But at some point it became stupid to root against Tiger Woods because he's just, he's amazing. And that's where I am with Brady. It's like, I know he's at Michigan. I know you may not like him. I know he was a Patriot. I know, I know, I know, I know. I also know he's amazing. And don't hate on great. Tom Brady. Whew. Amazing, that dude. So, looking forward to the Browns and the Chiefs on Sunday afternoon. Looking forward to the Bengals and the Vikings, Rick Spielman's Vikings. Uh, Looking forward to uh, Mr. Spielman and the Detroit Lions debut and uh, I forget who the Lions play, but uh, hopefully they get a W because, man, I can't imagine how much. I know how tough it was on Spiels when Rick lost a game or the Vikings lost a game. I can't imagine how Spiels will take it if the Lions lose a game and he's in the front office. Now, I'm sure you caught the president's speech yesterday and uh, the vaccine mandates and the lockdowns, shutdowns, clampdowns. Uh, if you're a business owner, and you're now like throwing your hands in the air like, holy smokes, what am I going to do with this? <laughs> well, don't answer that question. Get it answered, but you don't answer it. Get it answered by going to auiinfo.com. auiinfo.com is a website where you get your questions about insurance and rules compliance and state mandates and federal mandates answered, and they answer them free. They're paid by insurance companies and others who do business with them and want to do business with you. And so auiinfo.com is a great resource on these kinds of things. I know the mandate now is for employers of more than 100 people, but why would they restrict it to that? I don't know. I don't really understand fully the need for it, the constitutionality of it. I just know that if you have questions about it as a business owner or putting benefits packages together or anything like that, auiinfo.com is your place. auiinfo.com. Tell them you heard about it on the We Tackle Life podcast. And speaking of those mandates and the president's speech the other day, uh, it happens, of course, on uh, September the 9th. Today's September the 10th. Tomorrow's September the 11th. No, I'm not giving you an update on the calendar. I'm using the timing of all of this as 
a setup for the faith portion of the podcast. I am moved by September the 11th. Many aspects of it move me. I'm fascinated by all the programs that are on television commemorating it, recapping it. The anger, the helplessness, the all of it builds inside me again. I go back to that day, that Tuesday morning. Ohio State was supposed to have its press day for a game against San Diego State that day. I can see the Today Show on the little tiny black and white television in the Speedway in London, Ohio, where I walked in moments after the first plane hit the towers. The clerk told me what had happened. I was driving home when I heard on the radio the second plane, the plane in Shanksville, Pennsylvania, the plane in the Pentagon. I was newly married. I called Sherry and I said, I don't know if I'm ever going to see you again. I watched planes fly on a crystal clear September day in the sky over Columbus, not knowing if they'd run into buildings. It's all fresh in my mind. So, why do I bring that up? Because it's a moving experience for me. I'm trying not to be too political here, but it was a moving experience for me yesterday to hear the president propose things that I, I will give him the benefit of the doubt or well-intentioned. I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt on that. But things can be well-intentioned and still be ill-conceived. And to compromise our freedom on our own personal medical choices is, in my opinion, an ill-conceived endeavor. And so 9-11 was about about an attack on freedom. It was an attack everyone could get behind, support, marshal our forces to defeat. Attacks on our freedom from our own country, from our own president, are harder to make sense of, harder to know how to respond to. As a Christian, I'm called to respond like a Christian, to respond like a disciple of Christ. So what does that look like in an era where um, the body that God divinely created and miraculously bestowed upon me is um, equipped has been equipped in my personal case, perhaps not in others, but in mine, to cope with the uh, contracting of and recovery from COVID. I do not white knuckle my mortality. I've said that many times. So I do not um, view vaccines as something I'm afraid of, but I view them as putting my confidence in something that I believe God is telling me to put my confidence in him. If I had cancer, would I take treatment? Of course, because I would view that as God providing that avenue for me to be healed. On this particular health challenge, I have lived through it. God equipped my body to deal with it, to recover from it. And so being coerced 
feels to me to be forcing me to put my trust in something other than God. You might think that's crazy. I'm just telling you how I think, okay? I've prayed about it. I've thought about it. So I'm trying to figure out how to respond. I'm trying to figure out how to be a good Christian, a good American, a good husband, a good father, a good example. Okay. So the scriptures that resonate with me are, as much as is possible, live at peace with all men. I will never leave you or forsake you. Lo, I'm with you always, even until the ends of the age. And one other one, and this one is from Luke 12, 48, and it is, To whom much has been given, much is required. I have been given much with a healthy body. I have been given much with a platform on 98.9 and here with you. Thank you for your time. So I understand that I've been given much, and I need to be a good steward of the things I've been given. Toward that end, I'm inspired by the fact that you don't have to have a public platform. You don't have to have a radio show, a podcast, a career in media to make a difference in many lives. I had the pleasure last weekend of seeing my father-in-law honored at the school he served for 20 years as a business manager. He didn't serve as the public relations spokesman. He wasn't the president. He wasn't a coach who won championships. He was a normal, hardworking, talented man who went to work every day and did his best to treat others as God would call him to do. Time has taken him into retirement, and time has sufficiently passed to the point where his college chose to honor him by naming the wing of their business school after him. And to hear the number of people who got up and spoke about my father-in-law and to reflect personally on the difference he's made in my life, how he's received me, how he and his wife, my mother-in-law, have received me, brought home to me that in this challenging time, we can all serve God with distinction. There are those who will pound the table, lead the way, chart a course for how to respond to vaccine mandates and this, that, and the other. There will be opinion shapers on radio, and I'll probably try my hand at it too. But it is instructive to me that the people that I think God is most pleased with are the normal, humble, hardworking servants like Arnie Dirksen who just keep their head down and take the gifts they've been given to serve others. That's my template as I roll over in my mind how to react to a 20-year retrospective on 9-11, 
to whatever intrusion on my personal freedoms are out there on the horizon, COVID-related or otherwise. It's my example and my inspiration for how I conduct myself as the husband to my wife and as the father to my daughters. We look sometimes in our life for big answers from famous people. But sometimes the most eloquent examples we can get are from the people God has favored us with in our daily life. The people who are closest to us, whose very service speaks the loudest if we just take the time to listen and hear. With that, I hope you have a great weekend.